Hello and welcome back my partners in crime. Welcome to Murder and Lies for another true crime case. Plus you can also catch this on my podcast, Let's Have a Chat About Murder, as with other things that's coming up on um, that podcast, which goes more into detail about some of these um, perpetrators that we've been discussing throughout about 200 cases now. So there's going to be some more things on there. But today's crime, today's serious crime, really, when you think about it, and we talk about the Halloween time and, you know, people dress up, don't they? And they talk about the horrors and, you know, they have all the scary movies on the telly. What we talk about is true crime, isn't it? It's the true horrors in society, really. These are, this one is so historic, really. It's the first American serial killer, really, to be classed as that, I suppose. You know, made the history books. He's, he's just... Um, an, an awful man when you really have a look at this case and the mentality of this man this charismatic man this you know slight build man seven you know I think five foot seven he was in in stature but it's about his mind isn't it it's about why he killed this man and how many he killed because it's not really known how many he killed as we go through this story um, of this case and the details of what he done. It just shows you, doesn't it, how depraved some people really are. Now, psychopaths and uh, you know serial killers and all this stuff do crimes for many, many different reasons. Some do it for no reason at all. Some are just, I suppose, born to kill, if you want to say that. I think with this Dr. H.H. H. Holmes, or Henry Holmes, you know, that's his second name. We'll talk about his earlier names um, in a minute. But when we look at him and why he murdered, first of all, it's about, I think, fantasies with him. He's from a young child. He always wanted, you know, um, to be in medicine and that was his focus, so he says, you know, or, or so it seems. But when we look at the 1800s and how the medical boards and the, you know, the universities training these, med you know, these doctors and stuff, how they use bodies, real bodies to dissect and stuff like that, did that have, you know, pushed these fantasies that he was probably already having to another level? I think it probably did. You know, you can't work on a dead body and dissect it and de-skin it and God knows what else you're going to do to these bodies, you know, under the, you know, <laughs> because you're training to be a doctor for like 40 hours a week and not have some issues if you're already that way inclined. And I think from that you'll see where he sort of started doing that and then how his fantasies changed to reality and how then he sort of dissociated human beings, people, that even he knew. He disassociated them from being live human people with lives and families and, and stuff to where he saw them as commodities because these bodies were worth money, you see, and how he starts then to change. There's not a lot written about the last lot of victims, which were the women and the children that he killed. There's a lot wrote on, you know, these bodies that were brought in and he would buy and sell bodies or... or cell bodies in the end, you know, and the fresher the body, the less damage the body had to them. They was worth more money. You know, he was killing people because he wanted the perfect body to sell. And they was worth about $30 in them days. It was quite a lot of money, wasn't it? And then he's, where they may not want the whole body, they may have wanted parts of that body, like the eyes or the organs. He then decided that he would then make the skeletons out of the bodies and sell them for about $120. So yes, at first it does look like his crimes were financially motivated crimes, but that never was the case, I think, for him. He enjoyed the kill, he did, and he perfected that kill by building this hotel, or so-called hotel, that he had, which was like the perfect way to not only kill but to dispose of them bodies and also then like a factory on the basement of it to then sell them bodies onto a medical facilities for used for you know up and coming doctors to experiment and 
um, look at um, how the human body worked. So this was a very intelligent serial killer, without a doubt, right? He was a very intelligent man. He also, I suppose, when we look then at the latter part, just before he got caught, the couple of years before he got caught, of his killings, how he changed, how his fantasies changed. Now, as I've said before, killers kill for many reasons and serial killers kill for many reasons. And I think what Holmes got from the first lot of killings was sexual gratification from the kill itself, from the dissection, the kill, the selling, making money. There was always an, a, an extra part to that. It wasn't just financial. There would have always been an inner feeling of something else for him to kill like he did. When we look at the, that, the women and the children in these victims, he was one, I suppose, not only was he the first serial killer that you could say, but he was also one of the first stalkers in women. He stalked women, really stalked women. If he found you attractive and stuff, he would stalk you enough to where he would get you. He would, you know, romance you and everything else. And if you didn't agree to his sexual advances, he would rape you without a doubt and then kill you. So his whole evolved, he evolved, didn't he, really, as a serial killer. From a serial killer just doing it for financial gain, or so he says, um, or so it reads. But there would have been underlying issues there with that anyway. And it would have always been about the kill, that gratification. He needed something. These fantasies that he was having even from then needed to be fulfilled. To where they wasn't fulfilling him anymore on the last lot, of murders that he did to where he went then for women and that was sexual gratification the kill was even for that so this man is you know it says that he killed or confessed to 27 murders and it is believed really as he killed probably more around 200 victims it could even be more because don't forget this man was killing people to sell for medical um, reasons you know to make money for off them bodies $30 and then to make them into skeletons $130 you see the, the, the motive was there he was a, such a deceitful he was a criminal through and through right he, he really was there's no doubt about it the difference with this serial killer with Holmes than with other killers it's the way that he designed his killing field he didn't want to have to go out in the streets and kill. He designed his so-called hotel as a way to attract um, the victims in and also to take their money because he wanted that as well. And then to dispose of them bodies in one place. I mean, give it to him, you know, in the 1800s or 1893 in this World Fair of Chicago where Chicago was booming at this point and was thousands and thousands of people you know descending on this city of Chicago really this man had worked it out that the only way to make a living and to also you know live his fantasy out was to build this property which is all brought on murder victims money on deceit on fraud on theft you know there's so much about this man it's a really interesting case when you look at this man as yes a serial killer you know as a psychopath because that's what he was on the way that he felt that he could do this it's amazing really this case of how extreme and how far some of these killers would go even then really to get away with murder and you know to tell the truth he did it was only when he changed and went for women for other reasons not just their money but for the sexual gratification of it that he got caught you know so god knows if this man had not been caught when he did how many more and what other schemes this man would have brought out to take murder to a totally different stage and this is what separates this case 
from other cases of serial killers. All of that separates this man from other, other serial killers. So this is the case of Dr. H. H. Holmes, the first American serial killer. Born in 1861 and died in 1896. He was born in um, New Hampshire in the United States of America. He was, I think, his alias, as most of you know, you know, was um, Holmes, but he was Herman um, Webster Mudgett at the time of his birth. That was his name. And we'll go through why he had to change his name. Again, another fraud, um, you know, another cr criminal side to this man um, as he went through that. But yeah, you know, I think when we look at this elaborate, you know, murder castle and we think about him and, and, and the people in his life that had suffered and also most of these victims that we know of that he admitted to were people he knew. The other victims are not. The other victims were really just about monetary gain to use that body to sell to then um, the universities and stuff for medical examination and stuff like that uh, in their teaching. So I think the 27 people he had to admit and um, the rest, no he didn't because he really just saw them as commodities, he just really saw them as money, as a way to make money, he probably knew nothing about them, he just wanted their bodies or their bodies to be used as skeletons to make money. It, it, you know, some, sometimes when you think about serial killers and we look at serial killers, you know, in a real in-depth way, really, about why they do certain things. We can justify some things because you can say, okay, you couldn't help it or whatever. He wasn't mad, you know. He was a very clever man. He wasn't mad. He knew exactly what he was doing was wrong. But he still did it. Some killers have diagnosis of this, that and the other. With him, I think he was so intelligent that he perfected this art of killing and really played on it until it didn't work anymore. It's strange when you look at the ending of this man, because he was caught in the end and we'll go into that. But his own body, you see, he wanted to be buried under concrete, so no one that could dissect his body. Strange that, isn't it? When you can alienate the people, that you, the victims that you've done, you've disassociated from them as being human, you've decided that you can do whatever you want to them. But when it comes to your body and you know the way that you want to be die you want to die and, and and the way that you want to be buried and protected, it's one rule for you and one rule for them. Typical serial killer really. So let's have a look at his early life now. So Holmes was born as I said in um, uh, New Hampshire and he was born as Herman Webster um, Mudgett. Uh, and in May, I think, 16th, uh, 1861. Uh, he was born into a sort of an affluent family, really. He enjoyed the privileges of childhood. He wasn't poor. And as I said, at this time, in, and in Chicago, it was quite a, a, a good time. You know, the, the, the financial hardships hadn't hit then, as they did later on uh, down the line. So he had a really good... Um, upbringing as far as that was concerned you know he wasn't short of anything he was not neglected or anything like that so you know and a lot of people we look back don't we when we look at serial killers and we look at their backgrounds to see what's happened but it has been said that he was quite an unusual lad but he was also very very intelligent uh, and at very early stages you know really um, he um, wanted always sought to go into medicine. He had this fascination, really, for um, medicine, but also in the body, the human body, and how it worked and that sort of things. Um, it was reported that very early on that he would uh, practice surgery on animals, and some uh, indicate that, you know, um, at that early stage, even in his youth, there was a death of a friend that he may have had some connection to but because there's no evidence on that 
So from quite an early age, there were signs of his interest, can we say, in dissecting our bodies and stuff like this because he started with animals from a very young age. And I suppose in that era, no one was looking at when you're hurting an animal and doing different things to animals. Because he continued to say that he wanted to be a medicine, you know, medicine, go into medicine, this was accepted, I suppose, by the family, even though they may not, and people around may not have thought it was a great thing to do. It was sort of excused because of his continuous, you know, he wanted to be in this medicine, and, and that was the way in them days that it was done. They would experiment on dead bodies um, and so I suppose they just thought, oh well, it's it, you know it's getting used to what he's going to have to do later. But now we understand that sometimes most serial killers do not, or they don't treat animals well. Should I say, they don't. Their fascination with the kill or with dissection or something starts very early, and it's usually against animals because animals really can't protect themselves, can they really? And um, they're quite vulnerable, as with some of these victims, or with his victims that he made them later on. And how he made them vulnerable was by using different techniques to really um, make sure they couldn't move. Now, when we think about Holmes wanting to be this doctor, or this midget wanting to be a doctor early on, he came from sort of not a bad background and stuff, but to be a doctor in, in them times, really you was, would have come from a very wealthy background. To be able to afford to go to these universities, these medical schools, to hone your skills and stuff like this, and learn about how to become a doctor or a surgeon and stuff. It was about $200, I think, per year or per term. Quite a lot of money in the 1800s, uh, quite a lot. And so, right from an early age, he knew that he couldn't really afford that and his family couldn't really afford that. So in his mind, this is where we know he is very manipulative, this man, because in his mind he thought, I need to marry up. I need to marry someone wealthy to be able to get me through that medical school, pay for that, so that I can become the person that I want to be. Don't forget, he'd, I don't, think um, that he'd never not had these fantasies, right? He was always a serial killer in there. But I think what honed his skills then was going to these medical schools, uh, this, you know, medical uh, university college and learning these sort of skills. But that's how he paid for it. So he married the sort of the wealthiest woman in the town really and made sure that he had enough money that he could do that. So there's his manipulation already starting from a very young age. Now this man was meant to be a very good looking man, as I said about five foot seven. Not the biggest sort of man, but he was a very charismatic, very intelligent, well-spoken man. And of course the woman that he married was happy to marry him and happy to pay for his college fees and stuff to be a medical doctor because really it would have benefited everyone in the end if this man had been a decent man and really have stayed with this woman for love not just for the money that he could have had a really good life but I don't think that was ever on the cards for him at all he only used this woman for the money to pay for that education to move on to other things he was a, such a manipulator from a very early age and I think that sort of shows just how a manipulator he was and how his thought pattern was already very selfish, narcissistic, it was always about him. So this is where I think he learned and understood about how to get these bodies or why he should get dead bodies and sell them then to these universities because of the money they were worth. She had money, his wife, but she couldn't really afford that sort of money and his lifestyle on top. So he was struggling to pay these fees, even with her money at this time. He needed to make more money. Now these universities had someone within there, um, 
you know, not not as a teacher, but as like a morgue keeper who used to have to get bodies for the medical students to do their examinations on. And this is where the idea comes from, I think, with him, of how to make money, because he recognised where these bodies were coming from. He wanted to know all about it, how much they were getting paid for it. And he made a sort of a friendship with the sort of morgue keeper, I suppose you'd like to call him, that could give him access to these bodies. But also, he would give this man bodies for money. Now, it's a dark era, I think, when we look into medicine and the, you know, education in medicine. It wasn't well known, you know, what was really going on and how these doctors were practicing or, or uh, trainee doctors were practicing. You know, and it's not such a highlighted thing when you think about it now, but in them days, how else was they meant to learn? They didn't have Google that you could look up and, you know, and the really, but the books that were written were written from the details taken from the corpses that they were using, you know, to extract information and diagrams and stuff of how the body worked. That was how the medical um, association everything used to use these bodies for, you know, them purposes only. They wasn't used for any other purposes. Problem is with that, where you have then, where you have money involved, there's always going to be some sort of crime. And I think the worst thing, what happened there was that these, the, the man that was allowing these bodies in and buying these bodies wasn't really asking where the bodies came from. You know, they didn't, they were, you know, it was just, oh, we've got a couple of bodies, um, here you go. That sort of thing. So it, you know, I think, yeah, for the medical, you know, history, it's not great. But I don't think at that point they, they could have done anything else. They could have managed the bodies better, I think. They should have found out at least where these bodies were coming from. Because really in them days, if you wanted to kill someone, get rid of a body, you'd just sell it to them for medical purposes, wouldn't you? And that's exactly really, at first, he didn't do that at first, to tell you the truth. What he did do was dig up, you know, fresh bodies that had been buried, people that died. He, they would dig them up and then sell them to them. But, you know, how many dead bodies can you dig up that are really still worth the money? Because really, you can't have them, you know, being embalmed. You can't have them really being damaged. Uh, usually natural causes would have been the best way to have these bodies, you know, some that died from natural causes or old age, something like that. Not people that's had their head smashed in or, you know, stabbed to death because you've destroyed the organs that they're trying to look at. So this is where he come up with the idea, well, rather than digging up these bodies, I'm just going to kill them, kill people for money. And that's really where this all come from. And there was another student with him uh, in that era in this university that made him, you know, I think, and it's a lot of people have said, is when you are working 20, 30 hours a week and you are, di you're, you know, you're either side of a body on a slab and you're dissecting that body, you're, you have a close relationship with the, with the you know, your, your partner, don't you? You're, you know, study partner and the person that's also dissecting these parts of bodies. And so within these conversations as they were doing this, came up the conversation that, well, we could get bodies and make money to pay our fees. So this is how he starts drawing in other people. And the problem is with that, the bodies can't again be damaged. I think his first kill was when he killed someone and he literally smashed his skull in with a pipe. But it turned out that he couldn't use that body then for that. His skull was smashed in. So he had to think of another way to kill these people. And that's where he started to use chemicals and different stuff like that. So that the bodies were protected and still worth the money. But he had performed the murder. He had killed these people. And I think this got hard for him to do, to tell you the truth, right? Um, 
not in the way that he, he killed them because he was happy to kill them but there was uh, you know a lot going on at this time he'd lost money he'd finished medical school right and he'd finished medical school really at the bottom of the pile he wasn't a great doctor he you know he's never going to be one of the greats I think the medical board had to have a meeting about whether to actually you know allow him to be get his degree really because he was that low but I think when you think back on him at university he had so much else going on didn't he really he was constantly trying to make money trans constantly trying to get bodies to either sell or kill whatever he could do to make that money so the concentration level on his studies would have been at the bottom of that even though he wanted to do it so when you then leave university with a very low level especially as a doctor in them times when you didn't come from a great family or an influential family that could really help you and you know you'd go into their practice and you'd be a great surgeon and stuff he then found himself working like in a chemist and stuff he he because he wasn't a great doctor and, he, and his um grades wasn't great as i said so now he finds himself with not a lot of money he's now left the wife that he used to get him through medical school and now he finds himself with not a lot now an issue with serial killers is and we spoke before about serial killers is when they're put under pressure or there's stresses in their lives and i think at this point this was a real stress for him because the financial stress that he was having also he had ended the relationship with this marriage because really he only married her for the money um, and I think he felt he made a mistake by doing that maybe he felt oh I should have stayed there a little bit longer but he didn't so a lot of things were coming on top of him then you know this wasn't the way it was meant to go for him so these stresses these financial stresses really then made him think I need to make some money and I need to make some money really quickly so what he decided to do, his plan was to insure someone for money and then kill them and then have that money. But he couldn't find anyone really like that. Then his other idea was, well, I'm going to kill myself, which he tried to do and he ended up going into a psychiatric unit for about two months. I think all part of his plan he wasn't a stupid man he knew what he was doing and he was released after about two months and then decided right now it's time for me to end my life because he's insured himself for £10,000 and he wanted to end his life and literally start again so this is when he became H.H. H. Holmes and he got £10,000 from the insurance company for his own death. So now his whole past history is gone. It's gone. Now we have a man, a serial killer, really, a psychopath now, with £10,000 in 1850s, really, who wants to build somewhere and invest in something that's going to make him more money. And that's what he did that's when he started to build he brought some land uh, he started then to build this um, what they call a hotel it was shops on the bottom to chill with the truth uh, and then I think they had a basement and that's really what he, his kill site was um, but the shops on the bottom which he let out I think he had a barber shop and he had a chemist shop he had different things there which were bringing in the money then he moved I think it was four stories and on the top floor he'd let out rooms and stuff like this and the other I think he had his own rooms on there but one floor was then designed uh, this hotel as a kill site so he had different builders coming in and um, so no one knew you know from one stage to the next what was happening uh, each builder built something different and so these rooms, his rooms were really interconnecting and then he had a bathroom on his floor that had a trap door really that he could get rid of the bodies and bring them down to the basement level without anyone knowing what was really going on 
in this place. Now, when you look at this man from a point of view, um, you know, extraordinary really, wasn't he? Really? In this day and age, right, in the 1800s, a man's come, really change his life, start again, and then to think, I'm not, I can't kill these people out in the street because I can't make money by doing that. I'm going to build a property where on one part of it, I'm making money from leasing these properties out, running these shops. I'm on this top part, I'm leasing out rooms and apartments and stuff like that. But these floors in between and the basement is going to be where I kill people. And that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. And um, really all on the money from faking his own death really started that off. But then he needed, didn't he, to keep up the hotel, to keep up the building expenses, to keep up everything. So yes, he did then start to murder people literally just to sell their bodies and their skeletons and everything else. He had everything in there that he needed to make that as a proper business, really for killing people was a financial gain to this man on a massive level. He also tortured people because he put gas chambers in and he used to torture people and extort money out of people and stuff. That's what he did to finance his industry, I would, I, you could call it, because in his mind that's what it was. That's really what it was. This man earned over, I think, 500000 uh, dollars in his time that he killed in the few years that he killed the money that he extracted and uh, fortunately got took these um, people's money killed them for that money around five hundred thousand dollars in the 1800s but it was never enough you see the fantasy was still not being fulfilled because every time he reached his goal it was never never enough and then when he started then killing people he knew for that money, using them for their money, you know, killing families because families were worth money and under insurance, weren't they? You know, if you didn't just kill one, you may kill two or three or four in a family, including children, that you would then make more money from that. This man was a very sick individual, without a doubt. He really was. He, but he understood that not to get caught, he had to do it within this household. And as I said, what changed with him really was when he went on to, because he had this chemist and he had all this, these shops, he, and I think he started a women's employment agency because he was all for women's rights, you know, even in that day and age, he was all for women's rights because he was fascinated with women fascinated and it was a way for him you know to get close to p potential victims really so there's a lot more to this hh homes than what people really realize he had so many his fingers in so many pies but it was always to benefit him and it was always to make sure that he had enough victims for him to get to now there was so many that we, we couldn't go through them all really but the one I think that highlights the most is the um, case of his partner or so-called partner at the later stages in his um, crimes. So within this castle really, this hotel, this murder castle as it's known, you had him um, meet up, I think he had um, met a couple and they had uh, three children and um, his name I think was ben Benjamin Pazell. And now, again, they had to move or homes had to move then out of Chicago for reasons being was that there was suspicion around. The police were sort of looking at him there so because we had this new, you know, um, you know, the carnival sort of coming to town, all this, you know, people around. A lot of people had gone missing, lots of people had gone missing, so the police were starting to investigate where are these people. Also there was a lot of girls and stuff gone missing that used to work for him uh, in these areas. One minute they was there, the next minute they were gone. 
And so the police were then sort of starting to look at him and at this hotel because what happened was one day when um, he was shipping the bodies, getting the bodies ready to be taken to um, the university for the medical you know, people to have a look at, a police officer started questioning, you know, what's this? You know, what's, what's happening here, you know, with this stuff? And um, I think when they had a look downstairs that there was body parts about and he sort of explained that he'd done it for medical purposes. But by this stage now, Holmes is thinking, hang on a minute, right? Not only have I got that, but he had uh, the gas chamber set up, certain rooms in that hotel set up, that with the gas pipe outside the room, so he could gas the people in the room and then dispose of them bodies through this sort of warren of different um, alleyways or different sort of ways that he could get rid of the bodies without anyone else noticing. He had the lime pit also down there. He had the big, you know, furnace that he could destroy the bodies. He had acid. He had absolutely everything down there where he would strip the bones, then boil the bones and bleach the bones, you know, to make these skeletons out of these bodies that he had killed. So he wasn't stupid. As I'm saying, this was an intelligent man that had designed this hotel, but now so you can say the heat was on him really they wanted now to know sort of more about it so what does he do he burns it down because he can't have that being seen so then with this man that he's met and helped with this furnace and stuff like that they decide then that hang on we've got to move now he had killed this rich heiress and her sister and she owns i think um 50 acres or 500 acres of land elsewhere again that he would have been left that money and that land from her so we're going to say that this you know Benjamin uh, Purcell um, is dead and we're going to claim insurance money from you and we're going to start again in now a different county a different state of, of America that's what we're going to do but the problem is is that they couldn't find a body that looked like Benjamin, his so-called partner and friend. And he killed a few partners and friends in his time leading up to this part, to tell you the truth, really. This man didn't care whether he was a friend or not. It was all about survival for him. And now he needed that money that he'd insured not only Benjamin on, but also his wife and his children. So he's lured now Benjamin, you know, so-called friend, partner and everything, and said, right, I've got a body, um, it's time now to plan your own death, you know, fake your death. So of course, Benjamin thought, this is great, okay, we're going to start again, and he was going to go off, and he was going to start, the um, him and his wife were going to go off and start up this new part him and then Holmes would follow and everything else and this was the big plan but it wasn't Holmes's plan at all Holmes's plan was uh, he was going to kill him because he wanted that ten thousand pounds plus he needed really that money so he could start again and that was his whole thing so this poor man I'm telling you now had a most terrible death and I think Holmes has wrote about himself about how he you know screamed and begged for his life as he was being Burnt, and I think he used acid on him. Um, this was a torturous death that this man had. And um, that was the start then, I think, of his downfall, really. Because what then you have is the wife and the children now. And the wife, I think, was murdered. And then, then he murdered the young son of Benjamin. And then he murdered the two girls. Which is thinks, I think, that they think this was his last lot of murders but this is where when we look at the murders of these people of the women and especially of these children these children because he didn't any longer have his hotel with the gas chambers in it and that he made this box that he had lined anyway um so that the blood and that wouldn't come out when he was transporting bodies he sort of changed that box or chest into a gas chamber 
Now them two girls' bodies, the daughters of Benjamin, um, were stripped naked and there is, it has been said, that he had sexually assaulted them before killing them as well. So don't think that this man only murdered for money. He did not. He was a sexual predator of women and children. He would have killed anyone at any time to get what he wanted. There was no way that this man was going to let anyone live, anyone live, including children, if they could get caught or make him get caught. He just would not have it. He couldn't have it. But in the end, you see, that's what got him caught because as he was taking these children to their father, he told them, they were writing home and he took them off towards the Canadian border. They were writing letters back to they thought was to their mum and dad about their journey. That's what they thought. He kept them letters, Holmes, he kept them. Now that's how they knew the trail of these kids and where they had been and that's how they found their bodies. And they also found the younger brother who had been murdered. He had been put in the um, acid bath and his body was shoved up a chimney somewhere and they found that as well. So he was ending that part of his life at the end of their murders to move on to a different state to continue killing and making another murder hotel and then doing the same there until he was caught. I think it's for, for months actually, for, for several weeks, Holmes was on the run really from the police and the authorities because they knew something was going on. And Holmes, he was finally um, apprehended in November 19, uh, 1894. During his time in custody, he gave numerous stories to police, once admitted to killing 27 people uh, and convicted in 1895. Um, Holmes uh, appealed a lot of these cases, but um, he lost all the appeals. So the estimated total of his kills range from 20 to as many as 200 victims, or 27 to 200 plus victims. Um, you know, when you when you think about him, you just think the number just could be anything, could that? The number, you know, because you just don't know, do you, what this man was really like? But anyway, Holmes died on the seventh of May in eighteen ninety six when he was hanged for the murder of um, uh, Purcell, and um, he was buried in Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. Now, the thing is with him when we look really as him being the most, or the first serial killer. He was really on record, but I'm sure there was probably many more, many more people before him that didn't make the record. Because in the, we had the police in, we have one police officer that um, stands out in this case that really focused on him in them later stages to get this man, and that's what they did. So, you know, I think when you think about the amount of people that were at this um, exhibition or this, you know, in Chicago and the money at that time and what was around at that time. It was like a killing field for him. It really was. You had very, very wealthy people, lots of them. You had uh, people that were disappearing left, right and centre. And so, gosh, we just don't know, do we, the real truth of what really happened. I think he's told um, a cellmate certain things about different kills and stuff that he had but you know he was a serial killer that that's what he really was and he changed his profile of a serial killer as he went along i believe he always he had always had fantasies of killing without a doubt from a very young age because he started off didn't he with the animals and then went through he had a fascination for dead bodies he had a fascination for it and being a medical doctor at that point was his way, I suppose, of having that accepted, that that is a feeling that was all right, to marry up and marry someone that can then get you through that medical training, even though you really just got through, really, by the, you know, skinny your teeth, because you wasn't that 
great at them studies because I think your mind or his mind was so mixed up with everything else that was going on in there to try and make monies to kill you know and, and do all this to sell these bodies you know he was a businessman and that's how he liked himself to be seen as a businessman he was uh, an outgoing manipulative personality he was a narcissist everything was about him everything uh, the two marriages he said the second marriage when he married this other woman who was part actually sometimes of his schemes not that she knew about the murders i don't think but she certainly knew about his screams you know to defraud and you know fake deaths and everything else he was a father and she said he was a lovely father and he had uh, you know animals and uh, he was a great uh, you know the, the family cats and stuff loved him and stuff like that oh i bet they did but you know that when we look at serial killers that wear this mask of sanity as i've said before you have some killers that are so good at what they do in this manipulation skill, aren't they? Of putting themselves out there to look like in public that you're one thing. He knew and he had these grandiose ideas, didn't he? He wanted to be a doctor. He was a doctor, but then that didn't work really. So then he had to kill off that man and start again as Holmes. So you could tell his mind was never a straightforward mind. It was muddled because his fantasies probably overtook his normal thought patterns anyway throughout the years and that's how he then starts to change his victim on starts to change he then starts going for women young children any kill because i don't think he was getting the gratification from them kills in the end he needed something else to stimulate him and yes he did keep body parts he did and he was fascinated with body parts but as many serial killers do they keep body parts to relieve to relive what they have done to them people he loved to torture these gas chambers he is a slow death and I think the footprint of one of the women victims that he killed, I think the sister of the heiress that he murdered for the land money, her footprint remained on that metal door because of her suffering and how she went into this gas chamber not knowing. She thought she was going to see her sister. And his gust are in there. It's a slow, terrible death. He made sure that that combination of chemicals that he used in that gas chamber made her suffer that was the part that was the gratification for him the pain and the suffering that's what serial killers want that's what they need that pain that kill they need it and he was a perfect example of a serial killer even then so Holmes had this didn't he you know uh, at this time in this world fair there in Chicago this you know so-called hotel where he had shops and everything else but what he had in that basement really was you know a, a killing workshop really he had lined a lot of these rooms as I said the hotel rooms with gas lines he also had in his own area on that floor a gas chamber plus don't forget he even converted the chest box that he used um, when he had to leave there he even made that into a gas chamber and would kill people in that he had lime um, acid pits large vaults and that vault was I think that gas chamber they're talking about he would torture suffocate, suffocate and strangle um, victims before disposing of their bodies he would also hang them so he would the way that his um, rooms were designed and it had these sort of compartments dropping down. Uh, one was enough that he could hang his victims literally all the way down and therefore then just cut them down and that's the way then that he then had this perfect body. I mean this man, you could say was a sophisticated killer for his time, right? But even though all this planning because he was meticulous in his planning of this hotel and how he wanted it to be done he still lost he got deeper and deeper into his fantasies 
which changed him from being a serial killer for money, if that's what you want to think. And I think most people do think it was a financial gain killing. I don't believe it was just that. It was never, ever just that. To where then he went on to be sexually um, committing crimes for sexual gratification and stuff of victims and females because that was no longer working for him that first but he needed more he needed more what else would this man have gone on to if he wasn't caught when he did it's really shocking really isn't it when you think about it that this man got away with it for as long as he did but the times were different then and as we talk about different killers you know and who came up in the next 60 years after him got Jeffrey Dormer all these sort of killers that came out but the time they was doing it and the victimology that they was doing the kills to all make a difference in when you're going to get caught and how long it takes you to get caught because in the end they're usually always caught this man though shocking case isn't it really but very interesting case for those that are interested in the psychology of a serial killer and what really makes a serial killer was it his nurture or nature mm, i don't know with this one i think with him yes i think he was allowed as a child to experiment a little bit like dormer but i think the nature was already there the nurture maybe just added to it but i think what really made him hone his skills was when he went to medical school and where he was allowed, you know, because that was his job, wasn't it? To train as a medical physician, to dissect bodies, to look at the dead for hours and hours and hours. This influenced him even more. This made him become what he was. And that distanced him from understanding about humans as living human things with families, friends, you know, feelings and stuff he disassociated that didn't he from that stage that's when the separation really happened to where he saw them as only commodities and the minute you can detach from seeing someone real to someone that's just a commodity then you don't see them as human anymore do you and so it's easier to kill and i think that is when the real change for hh homes came is that working for them 20, 30 hours a week with partners dissecting their bodies. That's what then changed him. He was always a serial killer. That just made him detach from reality even more and detach from them and make him one of the most deadliest killers the world has ever seen. So thank you for watching and until the next time, bye bye.